Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Whether you have one computer at home or several at your small business, Carbonite backs up your files automatically and continually. Carbonite is the better backup plan. Try it free at Carbonite.com and use the offer code TWIP and get two bonus months with purchase. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. You can find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips on Shutterstock. And for 30% off your new account, just head over to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP11. This week on TWIP, Canadian photographers rejoice over new copyright laws, Tombstone and military homecoming photography emerge as new trends, a Brazilian model uses Hurricane Sandy's aftermath as a backdrop for a photo shoot, Smug Mug responds to passionate feedback and adjusts its prices again, and Bruce Clark interviews Gerard Murphy from Mosaic Archive. It's Wednesday, November 14th, 2012, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on this magnificent magnificent show, we're going to be talking to Mr. Derek Story, Sarah France, and Doug Kay about Canadian photographers now owning copyright of their photos, tombstone photography and military homecomings becoming the latest trends, Brazilian model uses the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy as a backdrop for a shoot and Smug Mug responding to some negative feedback and adjusting their packages accordingly. So, oh, and by the way, Bruce Clark, one of the TWIP contributors, um, sat down for a chat with the co-founder of Mosaic, Mr. Jared Murphy. So, like I said before, Derek Story, Sarah France, and Doug Kay are here to talk about all this stuff and a whole lot more. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Hello. Good, Hi. good to be here. Well, it's good. It's good to have all you guys. So, Sarah, let's start with you. What's what's going on in the in France, in the world of France? <laughs> I wish I knew what was going on in France, but here <laughs> in San Diego, um, the weather is beautiful as always, and we're still enjoying wedding season. I have a huge uh, two-day wedding coming up this weekend, and I'm super excited because he's actually, the groom is a TWIP listener, oh. and when he interviewed me, he was like, I feel like I know you already. I listen to TWIP, and when you when you go on, I, I've heard you before, so that was really cool, so... I'm super excited. It's kind of like my two worlds colliding, you know. I love it's, it. It's, I love it's it. great. So, That's yeah, good. and we're in the midst of holiday season too. So, it's a busy time for us here, but it's exciting and and we're we're having a good time with it. Sarah, I don't think I recall one time that you've been on the show that you didn't say you were busy. And if you're not busy shooting weddings, you're like scuba diving with sharks or jumping <laughs> off of like helicopters or something. <laughs> Yeah, I was up in a helicopter last week. So, <laughs> see, exactly. <laughs> it's a good time. My point illustrated. <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah, welcome back to This Week in Photo. Mr. <laughs> Doug, thanks, thanks Mr. for having me. You're welcome. Mr. Doug K, what is, uh, what's going on in your world? Well, in addition to uh, leading photo walks, as I seem to do almost every week these days, one way or another, I have been up to my ass in alligators of <laughs> lens and autofocus testing for both the Nikon D800E and the D600. 
And uh, by the time this is posted, I will have some results on my blog. Doug, when are you actually shooting? Because every time I talk to you, you're like fiddling back and forth with which camera to shoot with and, <laughs> and getting mad at Nikon and switching it's back all, from the 800 to micro four thirds and iPhone. What's going on? It's it's all about the gear, as, as Derek will explain. And, oh, it is. Uh, <laughs> but no, I I get out and shoot uh, a few days a week, and uh, we did a, a nice uh, photo walk with uh, uh, about twenty five Google Plus people. We went out to Mare Island on a Saturday afternoon and evening. Had a great time. Oh, cool, cool, awesome. So you are you're actually shooting with this stuff. You're not just opening FedEx packages and then sealing them back up and sending them back. <laughs> to, to be honest, the D600 has not left my house yet. <laughs> You've been taking pictures of your it's, feet. Like. I've, got, I've, got, I've got about a thousand exposures and they're all in my living room. So. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. All right. Well, welcome, Doug. Welcome back Thank to the you. show. Thank you. And also, you may have heard his voice back there. Mr. Derek Story of the Digital Story is joining us on the show. Hey, Derek. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to have you back on. It feels like I haven't heard your voice in forever. I know. I know. I was beginning to wonder, but now I feel a lot better. <laughs> you feel reassured. <laughs> I do. I do. I, just, I get that warm feeling now. You are always welcome on this week in photo, Derek. Thank you. Thank you. All right. What's, what's going on in the story world? Uh, I got an Aperture workshop that starts uh, Friday. Oh. Yeah. Wait, what's, yeah. What, what program is that? Uh, aperture, aperture, aperture. <laughs> That's not funny, Frederick. Just, that was- um, you know, this is a direct dig at Apple for not updating that thing. I mean, come on. What what version is it on, Derek? I mean, uh, well, okay. Thank uh, you. It, come on. Three point four, I believe. And when did that come out? When did version three come out? <laughs> No, no, version 3 or version 3.4? No, it's, version 3. It, I'm talking whole numbers here. Oh, man, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're relentless, Frederick. Uh, hey, it's, uh, I've been watching the debates. Can I, can I just point out one thing while we're on this topic? Yes. That if they went to a version 4, that we'd have to pay for an upgrade. And the fact that they've just been doing smaller releases is actually to the benefit of Aperture users. However, gonna... even if it was a $100 upgrade, if you spread that $100 over two years it's not a whole lot of money you know i'm just saying we got to hold their feet to the fire it's time to upgrade that it's time to upgrade aperture it's time to upgrade keynote i mean you know i know i understand all oars are in the water for ios and you know and i have my share of ios devices but really come on it's time to upgrade update this stuff Derek. so in your workshop, what are you what are you talking about? Is it just a workshop that's blasting Apple for not updating this, or are you? you yeah, basically, to- <laughs> we, we whine about uh, not having version four. And then we it's drink my all, job. Then, then, we, then we drink ourselves silly. Nice. So it's pretty good time. Nice. Uh, no, actually, uh, just back to your earlier point: uh, not having version four, not updating are two different things. They just have a different way. I mean, there's been a ton of updates since version three came out. And so it's just they're not giving us that. They're not giving you, Frederick, I should say, yes. the version four. You want that number. I know that. I understand that. And every time I talk to Apple, I bring that up. I say, Frederick, is this really uncomfortable with still being on version three? And they say, I know, I know. We're working on it. So yeah. uh, hopefully we'll have a fix for you before too long. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a placebo. Maybe it's. I just feel like I need whole numbers in yeah. order to feel complete. I, don't know. I I understand that. I understand that. You're you're an uh, integer kind of guy, right? <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's fraction smacking. They should just like, skip right to five then, if that's yeah, the case. You yeah. know, if it's all about the numbers, let's just yeah. you know call it version ten. Well, they were trying to dr- they're trying to drop numbers with like the iPad. Remember, they the iPad three didn't have a number, so it was just the new iPad. Right. So I don't know if that's working because people kind of need something to cling to when it comes to new new hardware or software. I have to agree with you on the iPad thing. That's just wacky, uh, you know, because, it, you know, iPad 3 was the new iPad. And n- now what is it? Is it the, you know, the iPad that you're going to sell on eBay? iPad? I mean, <laughs> exactly. what, I, I, it's the old new iPad that's out. So, you know, you're right about that. I definitely agree. Yeah. I'm expecting to get an iPhone that says on the box it says here's an old iPhone. You know, exactly. it comes from Apple. That's how they keep them apart. You know. Yeah, I mean, I agree with not making new brand names every time you release a product, but numbers are kind of you know they've been around for a little while, so it's okay. Yeah, n- numbers are okay. I agree with you. Numbers are okay. All right, guys. Uh, so what's up with me? I am. Uh, I've been like going back and forth to my local Home Depot buying supplies for this new workshop that I'm going to be giving down at Brooks Institute of Photography December 1st. So it's a DIY workshop. The name of the workshop is called the Amazing DIY Photography Workshop. And me and a group of attendees will, for the first half of the workshop, take all this random gear that I'm going to bring down in a wheelbarrow and put it together (laughs) and build light modifiers And the second half of the workshop, we're going to take those light modifiers and do professional level photography of a real live as opposed to dead model. And uh, then we're going to post process the whole thing and end up with an image that looks like hopefully it will be magazine quality that we made for little or nothing. And in fact, we're going to do all the retouching in Photoshop elements instead of Photoshop. So basically it's an exercise in keeping costs down while while doing some really, really cool work. So... I'm doing that December 1st at uh, in Santa Barbara. So if you're up for it, TWIP listeners, come join me. We're going to hang out afterwards and go hit the town in Santa Barbara and tear it up and uh, and talk photography all night. So if you're into it, sign up. We'll put the link in the show notes, show notes for this episode. Hey, uh, Frederick. Yeah. Uh, just another data point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aperture actually costs less on the Mac than Photoshop <laughs> Elements. Just... <laughs> But does it do more? That's a really yeah. good point. Wait, wait. Yes, okay. Do you want to go there? Do you want to go there? More. All right. We're going to have a debate then. We're gonna, I'm in debate mode yeah, right now. let's do that. So apparently Aperture, Derek and I are ready for it. Okay. So, two so Aperture versus Photoshop, Photoshop Elements. Elements. Okay. So Elements. where's that layer command in, in Aperture? Um, I can't find that. Where? You don't need it because all the masks are done for you. <laughs> oh, okay. And they're... And they're guess, called bricks in Aperture. If I you guess want. you get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah. Well, ninety nine bucks. But all right, all right. That's a whole other show. We're gonna have to do a debate style show on this. Not that I'm not a pro Aperture. I love Aperture. I think it's a great program. I'm just not happy that it hasn't been updated in so long to a whole number, as Derek pointed out. <laughs> so, so. But the cool thing is, all this stuff is relatively cheap, depending on your financial situation. Ninety nine dollars is not a whole lot of money um, in today's, even yesterday's economy. So, 
It's a it's a good time to be a photographer, I think. Either yeah, way you choose to go. The workshop sounds like fun, except for the software part. Sounds great. <laughs> so I should switch that yeah. out. Well, see, if I switch it out to Aperture, what if there are people in the class that don't use Macs? See, there's a problem. That, no, <laughs> that is that is a problem. That's a fair point. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. But I, as yeah. I tell all of my interns when they come in and I ask them if they're Mac users, if they aren't, I say, "Well, Hit you the road. need to be by the time you're done." So. <laughs> Get get moving on it. And by I tell you, I I have um turned more PC users into Mac users than I'd like to even admit. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Frederick, I'm willing to bet that that you'll have a, a workshop where nobody there has ever used elements. That would be interesting. <laughs> that would be yeah. really interesting. I don't know. They'll, we'll they'll, all, they'll all raise their hands and say, Well, we have Photoshop CS six. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to introduce them to Elements. I'm going to, int- you know, not that I'm an, you know, I have CS6 as well. I mean, that's what I use daily on my computer. But the whole, the whole point of this particular workshop is to show how much you can do with very little. Right. In no, fact, I think it sounds great. Yeah, I think it sounds definitely. Great. It really does. Yeah, so you know, I I wanted to put like a dollar value on it, like okay, for we did this photo of this professional model with the model fee, everything for under two hundred dollars, and then you know, see if we could do that. Anyway, that's coming up December first. Check out the link in the show notes, and uh, and I'll see you in Santa Barbara. All right, the next cool new thing is I'm bringing contests back to this week in photo. So, and we've got a new Twip promotions coordinator. His name is Adam Silver. And he uh, recorded a few things about how we're going to be giving away all kinds of goodies in the upcoming weeks, months, etc. on This Week in Photo. So give this a listen. Hello, my fellow This Week in Photography people, listeners, peeps, other people with cameras, etc. My name is Adam Silver, and I'm here to help you win stuff. That's right. I've teamed up with Frederick and the This Week in Photo team behind the scenes to get the contests that used to happen up and running once again. I've heard it's been a while since we've had contests on This Week in Photo, but that was the past, and now we look toward the future. That sounds very presidential if I do say so myself. So starting this week, this podcast right now, head over to This Week in Photo's website, find the new tab that says Contests, and enter the relevant information. It's simple as that. So the contests will last about 10 days. Prizes may be books, software, subscriptions, and all are provided by our great sponsors. Share it with more people and get more entries. And that's it. It's simple. Have fun, win stuff, listen to TWIP. I'm Adam Silver, and I approve this message. Okay, so this week, we're going to be giving away two copies of Silarina's Lighting for Digital Photography book, courtesy of our friends over at Peach Pit Press. So you heard Adam, just head over to thisweekinphoto.com and click on the new contests link to enter this week's contest. And if you win, we'll announce your name and URL, if you want us to, on the very next show. Plus, we'll, uh, we'll have Peach Pit ship that book directly to your doorstep. All right, check it out. All right, guys, it's time to jump into the news. It's been a busy week in the photo world. Let's dive right in. Like I talked about at the beginning of the show, Canadian photographers are dancing in the streets over some changes to their copyright act. So I know none of you guys are Canadians, but did you have a chance to dive into the story? Do you know what's going on to with our neighbors to the north? Sarah, I'm going to throw it yeah. to you first. So what does this mean for Canada? So the Canadian Association of Professional Photographers, or CAPIC, posted the news on their website saying that Canadian photographers, like other artists, now own the copyright to their work um, uh, the second, the very second that they press the shutter, regardless if the work was commissioned or not. So what does that mean for Canadians? And will we see a trickle-down effect to the United States? 
Um, well, I, I, I don't really, um, I, I think it's a really great move towards, you know, us basically owning, owning our images and owning the co- copyright. But mm-hmm. I guess the only part of the article that I didn't really understand is, um, w- where they were at and how it's different from, um, how it works in the United States. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, here, the, now, TWIP listeners, keep us honest here, but here, based on interviews that I've done on the show that a lot of a lot of listeners have heard already with Jack with um Jack Resnicki um of the copyright zone and all that stuff, they were they were basically saying that yes, you kind of own the copyright to your images when you press the shutter, but not exactly unless you register it with a copyright artist. Now when I look at this article, it's basically giving more weight to the photographer without having to go through and actually upload thumbnails of your images to the copyright office. Derek, is this what mm-hmm. you're saying here? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, by the way, this is, I think this is really cool what's going on there. Uh, and you know, I always say I'm not a, a lawyer or copyright person per se. Thank but you. None of, us, d- none of us are, just to be clear. Yeah. yeah. So, But you know, the way my day-to-day photographer life goes, that if I don't register it, I can actually, in the United States, prevent someone else from making money off my image. If I do register it, I can actually sue for damages. And that's always been kind of just my, my working knowledge of how it happens here. Yeah. So it, so basically, if you register it, you can say, hey, that's mine. Take it down. And they may or may not do it or they may do it. If you have registered it, you can say, hey, take it down and I want some cash. Yeah. <laughs> that, that That's sort of been uh, my understanding of the way the law works. Yeah. Doug, Doug what so, about you? Where, Sarah, did you have something to say? So for Canadian photographers now, they're saying that they would basically have the copyright and without having to register it. Yes. That that's how I interpret this article. Yes. Yeah, that was I, kind I of what I was thinking. I got a little a little differently. Um, I mean, it's in this country, um, as of about 1976, when they updated the Copyright Act. I think that's the right year. Wait, what, uh, what country? This one? What is yeah, this? The, the United the US, States. The United okay, States. Right? Okay. Um, you. The, the copyright is automatic. You don't have to register it to have it be copyrighted. Uh, you don't have to put any kind of marking on something to make it copyrighted. As you said, Frederick, you do have to register it in order to uh, claim damage, or, or I guess uh, Derek said this. You have to, in order to claim damages and sue for damages. Uh, but that's the only difference. Um, and I think in this Canadian law, it brings it more up in line with the U.S. law. It's not really leading the charge. Uh, the only difference, of course, is, you know, we all own the copyright to our images automatically here in the U.S. unless uh, we're in an unusual situation where we've signed away that right. I mean, I'm sure, Sarah, I assume you own the copyright in all your wedding shots, right? Yeah, we yeah. do. And even that's, that's, even when they're given to the client to use for reprint, they're, they're still just given usage, not... Right. Not the copyright, and that's that's the normal in the wedding industry. Uh, you know, Joe McNally owns the copyrights and the images he does for hire. Mm-hmm. Now he may have assigned certain rights, he may have licensed them, he may have given people exclusive rights to those images, but Joe still owns the copyright, and uh, that's the norm. So this law is actually bringing them more up to what we're doing in the United States. That's what I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. one thing I. I popped into the show notes, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, whether people register their stuff or not. I do. I started about a year and a half ago. Um, 
sending images to the copyright office, but they've it used to be that you you could well you can send either unpublished works or published works and in unpublished works you can send a large quantity in one registration which is 35 bucks mm-hmm. but in registered works it's $35 per image if you do it electronically well you that's mean, re- you mean published works right $35 yeah, published works, right. and published that was that's the key thing that they were talking about Jack Resnicki was talking about on the on that show I did with them because published can constitute you put it on Instagram or Facebook, or Facebook. Anything. Yeah. anything, anything. If, if it left your computer, right. it's published at right, that point, exactly. and your rights change at that point, right? Right. So about oh, almost a year ago, they started a new program at the copyright office, and I've been part of this program since January, um, and it's called the um, uh, what do they call it? The um, groups of published photos thing. It's sort of a beta test right now, but if you contact them. You can submit multiple images, published images, um, and do just pay the one thirty-five dollar fee. And in the show notes, we'll post the uh, the phone number where people can contact the U.S. Copyright Office. But this allows me, and you have to do it within ninety days. So every ninety days, actually every eighty-five days or so, I take up all the images that I've posted online, and I put them into a big zip file and I upload them. I pay $35 and then a few months later I get a registration certificate back from the copyright office. That's great. That's great. There's there's got to be a service for that. There's got to be somebody, some kind of service to make that easier. It's not that hard. I know, but you know, so neither is brain surgery. <laughs> well, I mean, the hard the hard part is keeping track of your images and knowing what you published. I don't. I no longer register my unpublished images because they're unpublished. <laughs> so what no if, one, they're never going to get out. <laughs> but what if what if someone and by someone I'm, I mean me? What if someone says, "Okay, I have this gigantic library of images. This Lightroom library of." tens of thousands of images that I've taken, some good, some not so good. I'm just going to tell Lightroom to generate a low-resolution JPEG of every image in my library, put it in a folder, I'm going to zip that up and send it up to the copyright office. Some of them I've put on Facebook, some of them have been on Instagram, some of them have been on my website. I have no idea where all these images, but I'm going to zip them all up and I'm going to send them off in mass. so... I could at least have some level of comfort. Is that a good strategy or, or sure. I mean, but they have to be published within the last 90 days. They have so to- what, what, what I do in Lightroom, every time I post an image, export it anywhere, I, I copy it over to a, uh, a, a collection and I, at, you know, at, I have a mark on my calendar, you know, when it is time to uh, do that again. But when you say published within the last 90 days, but I like, I've got shots in there that I've shot in, in 1989, right? Too late. Too late. Can't so register. I can't put those up there. No, They're, I'm you can't stuck. register them through that pilot program, or you can't register no, them no, at you all. You can't register them if they were published more than ninety days ago. But I didn't publish they, if they weren't if they weren't published. They, they were sitting on my hard drive, and no if one's ever seen them. Oh, I thought you said you sent them to Instagram. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Some okay. some of the images in the collection may have gone to Instagram. Some of them may not have. But there are some images right. in there, like from when I was in the military, that. Are, are from 89 you know right. if, so, they're, if they're unpublished yes you can still register them okay okay got it got it god this copyright stuff is just you know causing know. gray hairs it's like just make it it's simple so crazy. <laughs> well and and it still seems like i mean i'm trying to think of when this fight comes in it comes in i mean for me as a wedding photographer really um copyright isn't such a, as big of a deal for us just because I'm dealing with a client who's commissioning me to take photos for them. Um, the only time it really comes into play 
that I can see is if somebody takes that photo and claims it's their own, but I have the contract with a client. I was the photographer on the day. I mean, it's really so clear that I can't imagine it ever being a problem unless I'm doing commercial work or I'm doing a fashion shoot or something like that. So it seems like it's even more of an issue for other people than or other kinds of photographers more so than wedding photographers. Yeah. Derek, Derek, are all of your images from like the beginning of time registered right now? No, no, I, I don't mess around with it. So, uh, I mean, I keep track of my stuff. I have the raw files of stuff that I put up online. I mean, you know, my photography is a little bit different in the sense that it's out there uh, just as part of my my brand. And um, I don't really – if I put it up online, I, I don't really worry about it that much. I don't want someone making money off it. I mean if if I caught someone making money off my stuff, I would stop them. Yeah. Uh, but um, but what know, does uh, that mean, stop them? Like if, if you haven't registered, it, registered with the copyright office and – I can still do that. And you see on the cover of Time magazine a Derek Story image of Napa, right? Yeah. What yeah. what do you do? I have my letter, uh, my lawyer write them a letter, and we try to figure it out. But so, Doug, in that case, from your experience, if Derek is in that figure it out mode, he hasn't registered that image that is on Time Magazine with Napa. What? So there's two Derek's. One Derek has registered. One Derek hasn't registered. Who has a better chance of walking away with a big, you know, sack of cash at the end of the day? Oh, that's an easy one. The the Derek who did register is going to walk away with a big sack of cash if Time Magazine used his image. The other one will get a letter of apology. Oh, Derek. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah no, I, I know that already. <laughs> yeah. But it's so – that's such a huge like – maybe like it's such a minute possibility that that would ever happen that it's kind of like is it worth all the effort and trouble that you go through depending on what kind of photographer you are it might be but it just depends yeah i totally agree with you because for me it kind of it it has a little bit of of patent troll aftertaste in there i don't know it's kind of kind of like like some people really I'm not naming any names here, but some people really want people to steal their images so that they can litigate <laughs> against them, right? right? Oh, I don't want to litigate oh, against way. anyone ever. <laughs> right, right, Derek. You know what I'm talking about. You oh know. God, I know this is part of the, as part of his revenue stream. Yeah, but some <laughs> and some people make money that way by okay, yeah. you stole my image. I have a bank of lawyers. I'm going to litigate against you. I'm making money that way. And other people are like, say Trey Radcliffe, for example, is like he doesn't put. You know, he puts high resolution, gigantic images online. And if people steal them and use them for their, their desktop, he's okay with that. If they steal them and use them, he said the 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 number of people that would infringe and sort of take his work nefariously is so small compared to the number of people that just want to put it on their desktop or legitimately license it. He doesn't even care about that rounding error. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Well, you know, the, the way that I approach not only this, but you know, everything that I do, it really comes down to the question I ask myself is how do I want to spend my day? How do mm-hmm. I want to spend my Monday, my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? And then I just make my decisions based on that. Uh, when I was uh, doing what uh, Sarah does, I did weddings for a long time and really enjoyed them. I think wedding photography is cool because it makes you use all of your skills and then some. Yeah. Uh, but it's like uh, combat I, photojournalism right there uh, <laughs> every weekend. 
I actually turned over, uh, you know, in the film days, I turned everything over to the client because I just didn't want to spend my day doing the, the prints and, you know, managing all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And a lot of photographers thought I was absolutely crazy, and I probably am, but uh, that wasn't the part of the business that I was interested in. So, I mean, it just depends on how do you want to spend your day and, you know, you know what parts of your business are, you know, do you want to spend your time on? So bottom bottom line this this uh this particular article for us Doug K should photographers be nervous right now or is this what we're talking about edge case and a lot of fear uncertainty and doubt Well I think Derek Derek's comment is probably right uh, it depends what's important to you and how you, how you want to invest your time I spend 20 minutes doing this every 90 days so it's not it's part of my workflow it's something I don't think about too much. But this this article certainly is good news for Canadian photographers because it sounds like the Canadian copyright law has been a little behind the times. Yeah, very good. All right. Always good stuff. See, each one, each one of these stories that we talk about could be a show in and of itself. I love it. <laughs> I, love it. I, I know. And this one looks so dull when I looked at it. So it actually turned out better than I thought. Hey, that's, that's because of the host. I just want to go on record. That's the host making, you know, they call me Rumpled Stillskin here. So. You did it. Man. You did it. You actually pulled it out of the fire. <laughs> All right. Story number two um, is about a photographer in Belgium, I believe it is, who has started offering his clients portrait sessions to create images that will be used for funerals and and sort of military homecoming. So they're calling it tombstone photography and military homecomings. So Sarah France is on the show. So Sarah... Of anybody on the show, this is sort of closest to your sort of line of business where you're doing mm-hmm. event photography because these are events, right? So do you see a point in the future? Well, first of all, how do you feel about this? So this Belgian photographer is saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take photographers or take photography in of these grim sort of events or military homecomings, which, which is a positive event. But, you know, these sort of... Uh, it's sort of out of the ordinary type events. Where where do you feel about that? I mean, do you fall on the side of okay, this is just a great sort of diversification of how event photographers are making money, or is just like okay, this is just too much? What do you think? So these are two totally different kinds of photography, but they are really niche. So the tombstone photography piece is actually um, a portrait taken of you at a time that you want to be remembered. Uh, when you die. So the portraits were actually are beautiful portraits that are taken. And some were taken, uh, some of the samples they showed were of uh, an older man and an older woman, but they're beautiful portraits and one, the, uh, an Asian female who was, who was younger. And, and that's the photo she wanted for her tombstone whenever she died. So it's kind of an interesting concept in that, like, I would love to have a gorgeous portrait of myself to be used at some point when I when I die, I mean, how will um, you know? You won't even know, Sarah. How how will you know? I know, but <laughs> why not take it? Why not take it when I look? You know what I think is like kind of the prime of my life. When whenever somebody thinks that, so that's yeah. kind of what the tombstone photography piece is, and it's a really interesting niche. I, I think um, the point of the story a little bit is is these are these are like trends. You know, mm-hmm. they're like. Oh, now, oh, you're a tombstone photography photographer. I mean, it, it might actually come out of somebody's mouth in the future. Who knows? But I, I mean, found I can that see one the tombstone really stuff. I can see, I can see celebrities 
doing that more than just like me. Right. So I can see one of these, a, a famous person like, 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 okay, because I know once I die, my image is going to be on CNN and Fox and all these other places. So I, I want to make sure that they're going to use the right image of me. But if it's just Frederick, you know, it, I, I don't know that I'd care if what, what image they use. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I don't. As a female, I'm. I can tell you that it does matter a little to me. I would be like, yeah, put a beautiful portrait of me when I was in my 30s up when I die when I'm, you know, 90. I would love that. And so I found that one to be really interesting. The military homecoming, um, as event photography. I'm in San Diego, so I've seen this quite a bit down here, just because we have so much military in the area, and it's beautiful. I I actually went online to this link um that we have in the in the show notes and um I sat for 10 minutes and watched the video the video that's on this link the of the military homecomings it mm-hmm. was just it it was really really um breathtaking but it actually the whole thing is video by the way it's not even stills in in the article but I I do see this a lot around here and I think it's great I mean honestly a lot of the photographers that do it around here do it for free for their clients. Yeah. Um, but they're starting to charge now because they've had professional photographers come and now it's becoming more of a thing. And I think it's great. It's such a, a beautiful moment to have families back together again. And I absolutely think it's a great way for people to take some, a niche and really run with it. And why not? You know, yeah. um, professional photography in all realms of our life is, is important and, um, I think you should have a professional photographer at any chance you can, you know, on the, on the tombstone photography piece of it. Now, you know, as I, I was thinking through it, as you were talking about the military piece of it, rather than having a still photo, wouldn't it, wouldn't, I don't know, would it be creepy to have a video of the person that passed when they were, you know, just sort of speaking to the camera and then saying, Hey, I'm going to miss you guys, blah, 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 whatever you know, whatever words that they wanted to say to, to everyone in their own voices, would that be creepy to do that? Or is it better just to have a still photo? I don't know. Doug, what do you think? <laughs> Sounds creepy to me. Well, I think, I think you're you talking think that's about, creepy, really? Well, you're talking about something very different. We're talking about, you know, images that are placed on the tombstone. And, right. uh, and I'm is, talking about like, an LCD placed on the tombstone. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Because I, I think these images, as Sarah says, they're not. It's not so much that they're in, in anticipation of death. They're just they're captured, as she said, at a moment when a person says, "This is how I want to be remembered." Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess we could, <laughs> the idea of, a, of an LCD on my uh, tombstone is a little creepy. Yeah, but I mean. Remember, when it comes to this, you're talking right now to a guy who spent an hour talking to someone who was telling me that he did senior portraits, and I thought it was uh, of old people. And so yeah, <laughs> there are niches in photography that I do not fully understand, that's for sure. <laughs> that's all. Derek, Derek, what about you? If you, if you had the choice, uh, which you do obviously have the choice, of having a still photo 16 by 20 Sitting in the funeral home, or whoa, 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 <laughs> or or a seventeen-inch, or you know, or twenty-seven-inch display with a personal message from Derek Story to all his friends and family. Which what would you have? 
I'm I'm more of a still photo guy on this. Although, <laughs> guys, come on, you're boring. Come on. I got I got to say the 16 by 20 is a little a little too much for me. Yeah. But but I, I will say that you know there are photos of me that I really like, and there are photos of me that I really hate. And uh, I I wouldn't want one that I really hate to be what everyone's looking at propped up at my uh, at my funeral. So you know I think there is something to this. And then the other thing too, I I just love photography that interacts with the human experience and both of these things are very human i mean very yeah. human and and uh that part of it uh that part of it i like because i think that's a lot that what makes photography relevant you know it takes it from just you know us being gadgeteers uh to something where we're really interacting with uh with life on on a very meaningful level yeah so i'm i'm fascinated by that but uh the video frederick i'm sorry it's, it's just creepy to me <laughs> oh well, i'll tell you you know what i want at my i don't want the when i know where this is getting really in the weeds here but <laughs> I don't want my funeral to be the traditional funeral. I would like a flash mob in Union Square to like do some sort of dance, like Thriller or something, <laughs> to commemorate my passing. That's all I want right there. So. All right. All right. I'll and we'll make sure you get... Your yeah. big screen moment as Thank well. You. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna record, I'm gonna record a YouTube video. <laughs> I'm gonna Perfect. It It'll I'll, be easy for me to find. Then exactly. I won't have to go searching through your hard drive. Exactly, and I'll call it. I'll just, I'll title it "Parting Shots." How about that? <laughs> it just seems like some TV show or something, you know, where the. <laughs> that'd be the perfect name for that package, yeah, right? Yeah. So on your price list, you call it "Parting Shots," right? <laughs> Is that where you get to say all the things you always wanted to say? Exactly. In your life, but you didn't. To yeah. all the people that you hate, you're like, okay, yeah. and you. <laughs> yeah, and then with yeah. our luck, it, it would be leaked out early and we'd be horribly embarrassed. Exactly. Especially if it's on YouTube. Exactly. Um, you could do. Have you guys ever seen the portrait that's like um, Chase Jarvis did one a few years ago and it was just a man? He didn't talk. It was like. 15 seconds maybe and it was just a portrait it was just his face and he just kind of like you saw him just so subtly like move around every once in a while and his eyes moved a little bit that's the only version of this that i could consider mm. for a tombstone well, you oh, so you're talking like the harry potter portraits on the wall that just the They're eyes always yeah, yeah that kind of thing yeah that's creepy. Well, that, uh, that's I'm sorry, but that's too. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to veto that on its creepiness. <laughs> that's creepy, but like talking isn't creepy. Hello, friends and family. Thank you for coming to my funeral. Like, Hello from the afterlife. Hey, this is Doug. I'm not here right now, but if you leave a message. And I will never be back, by the way. So. All right. All right. We're going into a rat hole now. All right, guys. I think we're, we're, we're at the other end of the rat hole. I think we're six feet under the rat hole. If there. you'd like to send feedback about this episode, just head to no. the digital story. Right. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. The next story I want to chat about is, um, so you guys, of course, remember Hurricane Sandy that terrorized the, uh, the right coast of the United States and uh, caused several deaths and lots and lots of damage. In fact, t- lots of people, thousands of people are still without power. Northern Manhattan is still without power and lots of just insanity going on over there. So in the wake of all this, 
a uh, Brazilian model decided, hey, this would make a good backdrop for some photos <laughs> and did a series of photos of her dressed in a form-fitting sweater and leggings po- posed in front of like downed trees and smashed cars and that sort of thing. Doug K. So I know you've seen these shots. Oh, and by the way, she she went to YouTube and posted a public apology about this. So thank you for doing that model. Um, but Doug, that was a, that, <laughs> that, I'm like, how do you, how do you say this without sounding impartial? That was a I mean, it was a background right for a photo shoot. It was it in mm-hmm. bad taste. Would you have done that had it been the left coast being hit instead of the right coast? <laughs> <laughs> well, no matter which coast. I mean, I still have friends in Staten Island who have no power, so yeah. it's been how many weeks now? Um, no, it was in bad taste. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, this is this week in photos, so we, we get past that, uh, yeah. and we, we go in and criticize the work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> ethics, ethics, I mean, and morality there, be no, damned. No, Let's talk yeah, about the work. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about that it's bad taste, and she admitted it's a bad taste uh, on the – on the upside for her and the downside for the rest of the world. Of course, she got the publicity she probably wanted out of it, um, yeah. which is the hard way to, but the wrong way to do it. But on the other hand, uh, I looked at her portfolio of images and they're not very good. <laughs> and um, so, you know, once again, here we are, somebody's making it in the news and uh, they don't even deserve to be there. Yeah. I don't know. Derek, that's, that's Derek, my sense. Derek, where, where do you fall on this? I mean, was, was Sandy, the, the aftermath of Sandy, a good backdrop or... Was this just too dab- taboo? Oh well, it was this ridiculous? But I, I'm with Doug on this. The photos sucked. I mean, I mean, really. I mean, so you're going to do something that's really, you know, distasteful, and the photos are going to be bad. I mean, it's yeah. just like really rubbing her nose in it. Yeah. Uh, I read the story on um, either the Daily or USA Today. I forget which one, but it, this story, you know, it went mainstream media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's you know, and uh, I don't. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> it's just—it's yeah. a hard to be nice. It's hard to be nice when you talk about stories like this, Sarah. If 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 you're in San Diego, a, a coastal town, if something like this, you know, knock on wood, had happened down there, would you see that as an opportunity? Like, would like if if it was me and I lived in San Diego and something like this happened to the the left coast of the U.S., I would want to go out and photograph the destruction and try to document it from a photojournalism standpoint. But I don't know if I would grab a model. And put her on like down trees and that kind of thing. What what do you think, Sarah? Um, yeah, no way. Although we do, <laughs> I I will say a couple things um, to be on the other side and be in her defense a little bit. And that, um, well, a a the photos were taken with like obviously with in my opinion, I don't even know what they were taken with, but I'm gonna guess like a point and shoot camera at some. I mean, just from what I saw of the photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened to her apology um, as much of it as I could um, because it just dr- drug out a little bit. But uh, she had somehow like gotten a call from a magazine that was wanted to do a story on the destruction. And she had given an interview and they had asked her for photos of herself with 
in like around the destruction. Okay, so now I'm picturing in a magazine what they want. They want like uh, her look, you know, looking at the destruction mm-hmm. or 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 seeing some of the destruction, but maybe she's in the photo and looking I remorseful think, I, I mean, or something. Yeah, yeah, I I think honestly, and she's obviously foreign when you watch the apology video. I think she had an honest misinterpretation of what the magazine was asking her to do. Mm. Like to be honest, like if I was um if I had met her and heard the story, I'd be like, you are so um silly. I'll go with silly as my word. Like why? How could you misunderstand what they were trying to have you do? Um, but at the same time, you can look at the photos and be, it's so awkward. Like yeah. every single one, she's like standing on top of a crushed car. But even, um, is there, like even if something, so, even if something was lost in translation and she didn't get the message, it just seems like that, that little thing in your head that, that sort of toggles what's right and wrong <laughs> would be like, for sure. you know, this, even if they're asking for this. And I miss it. This is probably a bad idea because people are dying. People's, yeah. you know, it's not a bad, it's not a good scene here. Maybe I should not do this. It just, I don't know. Sure. I'm just hoping that that's what it was and not like, I'm going to stand in front of destruction and, and make this huge PR stunt. I'm trying to like, there's got it. She had to have done it out of stupidity as opposed to out of malice, you know? Yeah, but there's that, tons of people in jail for stupidity. <laughs> it's that's not, true. It's not, not a good defense in court. I'm sorry. I didn't know that I couldn't hit that old lady over the head and take her purse. I didn't know that that I, was illegal. Can I go? <laughs> I didn't understand. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, sure. did not, I did not understand. Yeah. I know. All right. But that's um, the time she deserves on the show. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, let's, let's go to Smug Mug because I, I, I do want to do this, this piece. Okay. All right. Take us into it. Derek, you're you're already there. Well, okay, yeah. Well, Smug Mug, they they actually responded to uh, you know they they did this whole pricing uh, change and they changed uh, some features, uh, especially uh, everyday folk being able to uh, make prints and so forth. And it looks like, and I didn't actually know this until the show notes, though it looks like that. Uh, they have um, – it says here, after receiving a considerable amount of passionate feedback from their customers, <laughs> I bet, uh, they announced last week that they would be adding back the ability to sell photos uh, at the portfolio account level. Uh, so they didn't – they didn't really – it doesn't look like they, they did anything with the pricing thing, but it does look like that they uh, reinstated some of the services that they had taken away. Mm. And so then the question here – and I was looking at – my, I have Smug Mug account. I know you do too, Frederick. Yeah. And so you know, there's there's four levels, as I understand it: basic and power and portfolio and business. And uh, I actually, my account's a power level because I'm not I'm not really I'm using it to to publish galleries to you know have clients look at and stuff like that. Yep. And I'm not doing a lot of um uh, printing out of it. But uh, the you know the pricing on it you know it's not cheap as we all know uh, at the power level which I am the second lowest is sixty bucks a year, portfolio is one hundred and fifty bucks a year and business is three hundred a year, mm-hmm. and so you know I think the the question 
that we have in our show notes here is a good one, which is, you know, how does the value of SmugMug, you know, these days stack up against, uh, you know, some of the other services that are available? I know, so, I know. I, I have to, I have to agree with that. And, you know, for the, one of the first things I would say on that is I'm going to ask SmugMug to come back on again and, address this this change to the change you know yeah yeah and, i think it's a great idea yeah i want to get it from the horse's mouth what they were you know why why the backpedaling or is this backpedaling or is this this new math or you know what what happened to sort of or was it just the, the democracy of the the crowd just saying hey enough is enough so i want to i want to bring them back on but i also want to <clears throat> put it to this this crowd you three about the alternatives out there. So one that I've been experimenting with, and, and Derek, like you said, I have a Smug Mug account that I've been using for, I don't know, about 500 years, right? Mm-hmm. And But I now have a Zenfolio account as well that I've been playing with. And it's pretty dang cool, you know? <laughs> so so I'm, I'm playing with both and I'm weighing the options of both. And I want to see what you guys think. Have you, like... Uh, this is not intended to be a pile on on Smug Mug by any any means, but it's more of a an objective sort of look at the options that are out there for photographers to look at from the standpoint of these three data points. So yeah, yeah. So Derek, where where do you fall? Like, well, are- I think it's interesting because I got sort of serious about Smug Mug when the the whole mobile me thing got close mm-hmm. because I was using, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was being able to to do private galleries for my clients, you know, through mobile me and Aperture and I really liked it and, you know, I really liked the way that service ran, but then it got closed uh, because of iCloud. So then I got more serious about Smug Mug and I'm using that now and I haven't, I don't come up for renewal until, until April. Uh, so, you know, then I'll have to look at the pricing and all that but you know based on what you're saying frederick i will probably look at the landscape again you know in early spring and see what my best options are because you know basically i'm paying you know that amount of money uh just to to have galleries for clients you know and uh, i'm not really using the other services that much now that being said i you know i i think it's they implement it well what i'm asking them to do yeah but yeah, Zenfolio I think is something worth looking at, and who knows? There's probably other good stuff out there too. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I say Zenfolio because I've been looking at them. You know, I've, I've been playing with an account, and I've been looking at them deeper, and I'm in, I'm interviewing them just like I interviewed Smug Mug. So I'm going to interview them tomorrow, um, which will be Thursday, the fifteenth of November, um, about just sort of. How you know not not so much a us versus them or smug mug versus Zenfolio, but more of a what are you guys about and how did you come to be and why why would someone even want to consider you? So I'm going to go into their offices here in the Bay Area and uh, and sit down with one of the guys that that made the company what it is and, and chat with them in depth for the Twip audience on the Twip audience's behalf to see what what's what inside of Zenfolio. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. love to know the comparisons of some of the things that people like about um, Smug Mug and what they like about Zenfolio. Yeah. Yeah. It seems it's like a Zen, you know, in, in talking with Zenfolio, they don't want to get into an us versus them. They want to take that Zen sort of high level. They're not going to pile on, um, to any sort of descent, you know, around the smug mug pricing controversy. Um, but they just, 
the the way that they put it to me was we're just doing our thing man we just want <laughs> we're going to keep chugging along and our customers seem to like it so we're going to keep we're not changing our prices we're not upping them not lowering them we're not even doing a because uh, i asked them specifically i said why why aren't you doing some sort of incentive for disenfranchised smug mug users it seemed like that'd be a marketing ploy that some bigger companies would do and they said no that's that's not what we're about we're not going to do that so you know it was pretty interesting to hear that so i'm really interested to see what they say i have some pretty pointed questions for them tomorrow i think that's our job right yeah to- then take the information and and really t- tell the photographers what the difference is between the services. Somewhat. Exactly. I mean, yep. So yeah. What? So Sarah, while you're on there, what what like what are you using right now for your like hosting and processing and all that? I know you're using Shoot.edit for some of that stuff, but what's your just, yeah. just quickly? What's your workflow? So after we get the images, all the images together and um, get them ready to go to the client, we put them in two places right now. We're putting them on pass, which is my favorite spot to send clients to to view their images and see them. But there's no purchasing. Wait, what is that? Pass? P-A-S-S? Pass. Yep. P-A-S-S. It's by the um, same people who do show it. Oh, okay. It's David J's outfit. Okay. Yeah, so they created a new software, and we've used it all year this year, and I am in love with this software. Where, what's the URL like, for that? Pass what? Pass.com? Um, I think it's passpremiere.com. Hold on, let me double check. But we can put it in. Um, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we have just, we use it not only for our brides and grooms and families and all that for them to view the images, but also for vendors and um, other other people because you can actually give access to specific people to be able to download the images from the pay- from the website that you send them. So it's really cool because you could have one site that integrates with your your client site. So I can have Tracy and Doug dot com is a client site and mm-hmm. then on there the images are actually loaded into that client site. So it's for us, it's been a huge thing this year. And then for purchasing, we use Pictage mm-hmm. for purchasing. So we have a link that goes from the client's website for ordering if they want to go and order the prints. But for viewing, it's just so phenomenal to have capabilities of viewing on the iPad and on the iPhone and on a computer. Uh, and all of our clients have really loved it and been able to make favorites folders and communicate back with us Sarah, on what you, they want for their you albums. Really, you really, really, really need to do like a, a how-to ebook on your workflow. Because I would buy that. <laughs> you know, just like soup to nuts. How to, What's the France method for... You know, not so much shooting the wedding because that that would be a separate ebook, but just like from when you have a handful of compact flashcards to the client having finished product in their hand. What's that flow? That would be an awesome workflow book. Yeah, you'd buy it and then you'd get reinvested in Aperture all of a sudden. It would be really <laughs> crazy how that would all work out. And I'd be reinvested in Aperture three. Yes, I would be. Re- <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Let's uh, let me give a quick nod before we move on. Derek, I know you have to jump off in a second, but I want to I have a couple more questions before I let you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a uh, quick nod to our sponsor. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. They've got over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, video clips. Basically, if you're looking for images for your website, your blog, some kind of print ad, a trade show, 
you know, whatever you're building, you can probably find it on Shutterstock.com. They've got over 10,000 images added every day. You can choose between image packs or a monthly subscription in terms of packages or pricing. And you can choose whatever you need to, you know, to fit whatever the project is you're working on. So if you need just one image to for a blog mock-up that you're working on or whatever, you can just buy that. You can download any image and any size and you pay one price. So it's not like, okay, you pay, you know, a couple dollars for the low 600 pixel resolution image. But if you want the high resolution image that you're going to use in a print piece, you're going to pay, you know, a thousand dollars. You pay one low price and you get whatever image that, or whatever image size or resolution that you want. So like other sites, they have light boxes. So you can browse around on the site and throw images into your light box and videos, etc., And then go back later and review them. You can do that from your iPad if you want. It just goes on and on, the different things that they have in there. They've got, like I was saying at the beginning, they've got vectors, icons, which I've used. Um, I've been using their stuff for This Week in Photo for the last couple of weeks and been really happy with the results. Um, and they even have video clips that you can use to use as backgrounds or in your presentation. So really, really cool. So you can sign up for free. Just head over to Shutterstock.com. Get your free account. You don't need a credit card or anything crazy like that. And then when you find the images that you like, just use the offer code TWIP11, that's TWIP11, to knock a full 30% off of any package. That's TWIP11 and knock 30% off of any package. Again, that's Shutterstock.com with the offer code TWIP11. All right, uh, guys, let's jump right into um, this interview, actually. So... The director of content for This Week in Photo, um, or yeah, Bruce Clark is his name. He interviewed the co-founder and CEO of a company called Mosaic. His name is Jared Murphy. And just sort of talked about what Mosaic is all about and basically what they can do to benefit photographers like you and me. So give this a listen. All right. Uh, welcome, uh, TWIP listeners. I'm uh, really pleased to be joined today by uh, Gerard Murphy. Uh, Gerard Murphy is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Mosaic. Welcome to uh, This Week in Photo. Hi, everybody. Hi, Bruce. Nice to be on the show. I'm a big fan. Appreciate it. Thanks for uh, taking some time out to talk to the TWIP audience today and uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, you know the Mosaic service. We'll, we'll get into that. So first, I just wanted to maybe uh, start out by those who maybe aren't familiar with Mosaic or aren't, you know, haven't, haven't met you before and, or know about you. Maybe give us a little bit of the elevator pitch uh, about Mosaic and uh, what it's all about. Yeah, happy to. Um, Mosaic has has two products. I mean, basically what we are in the business of is helping photographers better enjoy their photos. Um, and, and that comes in really two flavors for us. Um, access photos more easily um, and make sure that the backup process happens automated and in the background. Um, so we have two products. Uh, our first product is Mosaic View. And uh, Mosaic View um, has a free component and a paid component. Uh, Mosaic View gives you instant, anywhere, automatic access to any image you put into Lightroom. So if you make a change in your Lightroom library, you add a photo to your Lightroom library, it automatically goes up to our cloud, and you can view it on our app. So you can view it on your iPad, on your iPhone, on your Android tablet, on your uh, second browser on your computer. Um, so you have instant access to all of your photos. Uh, the free version is your most recent 2,000 images. 
Um, and uh, we have paid versions starting at $7 that give you sort of access to thousands and thousands of your photos. Um, so you're able to, to get access to, to almost any of your work instantly, automatically, without having to use exports, without having to use published services. Nice. So it's Lightroom in the cloud, essentially. Lightroom in the cloud. Yep. Uh, no development features, so you can't develop on your iPad. Uh, but you're able to have instant access to anything in the library module, um, your collections, your folders uh, from from our app, um, without pushing, without exporting, without doing anything. Uh, so it's a free download, so you know nothing to really lose. Uh, so you know, give it a try. Um, our second option is uh, Mosaic Archive, uh, and Mosaic Archive takes your originals, your raw photos, if you shoot in raw, or your JPEGs, if you shoot in JPEG. It takes your original photos and backs them up to the cloud as well. So we are an online backup service, um, and we are geared towards photographers and are, again, integrated with Lightroom. Um, so you can put all your photos into, um, into the backup, and uh, we have prices at, starting at uh, $12 a month for 400 gigs. So definitely one of the best deals um, on, in the cloud out there for photographers. Great. So tell us a little bit about uh, maybe a bit of the history of the company. How did the Mosaic come to be? Who's, whose brainchild was it, and where did it all start? <laughs> Well, um, I, I started with my with my co-founder Andy Young. He's our CTO now. Uh, we started this uh, back uh, about two years ago. Um, you know, the story goes that um, Andy and I were both working in other startup companies um, where we'd both been been happy. We've both been into photography and, and been shooting together since we were in high school. So, going back twenty years, Andy and I have known each other since uh, seventh grade, which is uh, the, over twenty years ago now. Um, and uh, we we'd been friends and. We said we we're having having a beer and talking about how do you manage your photos? You, know, you use Lightroom, yeah, I use Lightroom, and, and you know how, how do you get access to them? How do you export them? How do you back them up? Um, and we started realizing that it wasn't as easy as we thought. I mean, we we're two fairly technical guys, and, and we were struggling with with you know the, the concept of a catalog and how do you back up that catalog and where do your edits go? And we said, you know what, there seems like some pain here, right? Um, and so we, we can go off and, and we, can, we can build something to, to try to alleviate this pain and make it easier for photographers. Um, so that, that conversation happened in, in November of, uh, I guess, 2009. Um, and by March, we had formed the company and uh, we were off and running. So our backup product has been, been on the market now for about, uh, I guess, a year and a half. Um, Mosaic View just recently got launched. Our iPad app uh, most recently got launched in, in August. Um, so since then, we've been really growing. We've been hiring some folks. We've been um, uh, sort of expanding pretty quickly and um, and going from there. So it's uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. Excellent. You and I talked a little bit about. Uh, I thought this is a really neat analogy of of the music world, and you see a real correlation there between what happened in the music industry with digital music and photography, and this move into this digital era of photography. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. I thought that was an interesting uh, take on things. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk about this a lot. Of, of you know, we we seem to forget that digital photography is actually fairly new as far as this stuff goes, right? Um, and it's been around for for a relatively short amount of time. And so we we have to look at other industries that have gone through this sort of similar transition and look for analogies. Um, and one really really obvious one is is music, right? Um, and we 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 started to have MP3s a couple of years before we started to have really you know, where digital photography started to really take off. Um, and, and I always say that we're sort of in the, the iTunes era for photography. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if we remember back when we had MP3s, 
on in the Napster days. Um, we would download an MP3, we'd use something like a Winamp, we'd open the file, we would play that song, and we'd maybe make a quick playlist on a Winamp, and we'd move on. Um, then iTunes came along. And iTunes, I, I relate a lot to, to Lightroom and its ability to sort and search, and, and you know, and, and Aperture has a very similar feel, right, where you can go and you can find your stuff more easily. What came along with iTunes uh, was the iPod. Um, and photography, for whatever reason, hasn't actually had its version of the iPod, where everything instantly that you have in your iTunes library shows up on your iPod. That's sort of what Mosaic View is trying to do, is saying, well, anything you put into Lightroom, we're going to give you instant access to it from anywhere. Um, and I think that, that that's really interesting, right, is that we, we in photography, we, we've given ourselves very limited access to stuff, and we think that that's okay. You know, and I, and I remember back to the days when I had a mixed CD. Um, I had a mixed CD in my car, had my 18 favorite songs on it. I thought it was awesome. When I got sick of those songs, I would burn a new CD. Um, that's the similar way we treat photography, right? We'll push up our favorite photos at the moment to 500px. We'll push them up to our Smug Mug website. We'll push them to, you know, Zenfolio. We'll put, you know, wherever we push them to Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We push our best stuff up there, and then that's the only access we seem to have or we even think about. Um, what we're saying is that, well, you know, just like in a mixed CD, these might be my 18 favorite songs, but I might want to listen to that Bruce Springsteen B-side every once in a while. Um, that's what we're trying to get to. Um, I think where photography is going next, we can still look at music. Um, that you know, I think one of the, the couple of the big trends that's been happening in music are, are two companies, both Pandora and Spotify. And what, what do I mean by that? Pandora takes things that we like about photography, uh, music and says, you like this type of stuff and you feel like you're in this type of mood, let me find songs that you would like. Um, Spotify starts to put all of this in the cloud where we have no desktop client and we're able to make much more social decisions based on our friends' musical choices. Um, you know, and what can we learn about that in the photography realm? Um, well, in the photography realm, we all are having this volume problem. We're all having this, I have thousands and thousands of photos and our workflow is becoming much more challenging because you know, we're, we've gone are the days of the film canister where you're sort of limited by your you know, number of exposures on a roll of film. Um, so we need more intelligence. You know, what we're doing right now is adding stars and flags and keywords to try to do stuff. And that's, that's time consuming. It's difficult. It's not always the most accurate way of doing stuff. Um, and I think that there's going to be a huge potential, and, and this is one of the things that we're working on in the future, of adding even more intelligence to try to help folks find the right photo that they're looking for at the right moment, uh, both by integrating with social media um, and by adding algorithms to, to, to the cataloging features themselves to try to help folks find that right photo. So sort of looking at enhanced search capabilities to dig in and get at you know the photos that you're looking for correct yeah i mean i think filtering and searching are are you know just the tip of the iceberg right i mean i think one idea that we've we've had is that you know right now i put into facebook that i was married on december 31st 2004 um i didn't necessarily keyword my photos in lightroom as being my wedding photos um that happened on that date um we should be able to pull data back from our social media lives and push them into our photos and vice versa. 
you know, even something as simple as is sorting by the number of likes we had on Facebook within Lightroom itself is right now not terribly intuitive or even possible. Um, you know, I guess sort of possible depending on how you shared. But that idea of adding intelligence to our catalog um, so that we can find stuff more easily is, is, I think, a pretty big one. Yeah, I know one of the things that really appealed to me about the service was the ability to be able to view multiple catalogs at one time. Um, you know, as a wedding and event shooter, I maybe am a little different than maybe the typical hobbyist photographer who maybe just has one catalog for all their images. I have, you know, a, sing- a separate catalog for every single shoot that I do. And so being able to manage and see all those in one place was certainly a key uh, feature of uh, Mosaic Archive that I really, uh, or the Mosaic View that I really liked, um, that really appealed to me about the service. Just one, one centralized place that I can quickly view all these different catalogs without having to go into Lightroom and jump back and forth. So, who do you see as kind of your primary target audience for the for the service itself? Is it is it pros? Is it hobbyists? Is it a mixture? I think it's a mixture. I mean, I think right now we we we. Sk- a little bit more towards the pros. Um, I think we're becoming more popular with the prosumers. I think that the, the use cases are slightly different. You know, I think that you know, the, at the upper end of, of the volume problem are wedding photographers like you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just take, take a ton of photos, right? Yes. Uh, and as you said, you, you would have a multi, multiple catalog scenario. And and the ability to look across those catalogs just to find trends and say, I'm just looking for anything marked four stars or higher across all my catalogs is valuable in itself. Um, and your goal is to you know, sit down with a client, launch a collection, and, and be able to sort of sort through it with them in real time. Um, that might be different than the aims of a prosumer. You know, the prosumer, you know, and I'm a prosumer photographer. I'm, I've never made a living off of photography. Um, my goal is that when someone mentions, hey, I'm going to Argentina, and I say, I've been there. Can I show you my travel photos? That opportunity to me is like gold. Uh, and I love breaking out my iPhone or my iPad and showing people my old photos. Um, and so my goal is, is not to sell, but to, to just help, you know, have a way that I can experience my photos with other folks. Um, so I, I see ourselves as, as probably being you know, a little bit more geared towards uh, the pros and the prosumers. Um, but I also think that the market is expanding. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, you can see this in Lightroom in itself, of that as more and more people take thousands and thousands of photos, um, the power of Lightroom, of the catalog piece, of being able to organize things, becomes much more relevant to everyday shooters. Um, so while I see us being a pro and a prosumer uh, type of, of company, you know, I do think that there's going to be more people that fall into that mix as we go forward. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because there's, I mean, there's a lot of online photo services out there. You've got Flickr. Um, obviously, Facebook is you know one of the largest photo services out there right now. Um, yeah, I mean, Facebook has gone on the record, and it, this is part of that you know lovely Instagram transaction that happened recently. It's saying that they view what they are as a mobile photo sharing service. Um, I mean, that's what they, they sort of put, which I find really interesting because that's what people find the most interesting is they, most people are viewing Facebook on mobile devices and most people are viewing photos. So it's, you know, it's an interesting way that they, they've turned that on its head a little bit saying we're not a social network, we're a mobile photo sharing service. Do you see yourselves kind of in that same space or do you see yourselves as being a bit different from that? 
I think we're a little bit different. I mean, I don't think we are. We're, we're definitely not right now a public gallery. You know, we're not we're not looking to be the place where people go like Flickr, like 500px, like Facebook, where you can share with your friends. We're much more of an internal tool where you have access to your own stuff so that you can view them. Um, and whether that's sitting in bed and looking at the weekend's photos, whether that's reminiscing with friends because you have old pictures. Um, you know, one, one, one little story, and it's, it, um, so I hesitate to tell it, but I, I was in New York recently for, for Photo Plus, and uh, my grandfather is, is a little ill. He's, um, he's got Alzheimer's. Uh, and um, I was sitting with him, and I had my iPad, and I searched for photos I had of him. And I happen to have a lot of photos of my grandfather because he's, he's pretty special in my life. And I had an opportunity to just sit and go over old photos with him. Um, I didn't bring my laptop. I hadn't prepared for that moment. Um, I just brought up my iPad because I had that with me, and we looked at old photos. Um, that type of thing is, is what we're looking to help people do. It's not really a, you know, a public gallery where you know you're going to send your friends to it and they're going to plus one it they're going to like it um we're much more about giving you access to your own stuff um the you know the average household today has five internet connected devices and that's growing um but yet we sort of have our photos on one machine um and that seems somewhat old-fashioned to me um so we're trying to say is yeah, you, you, you have your photo, your main Lightroom catalog on one machine, but you have access to it from all your devices in your own household. What made you pick uh, Lightroom instead of, say, Aperture? Uh, is, there, was there, is that a conscious decision, or was it just that was the tool that you liked working with? And um, I think it's a, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, it, it certainly was the tool we liked working with, um, although I'm not, I'm not against Aperture. I like Aperture. Uh, Lightroom and Adobe, um, by far, from a technology platform standpoint, is more open than Apple. Um, so from a, a technical hurdle, it's actually much easier to do Lightroom than to do Aperture. Um, also, Aperture and iPhoto, as they move towards sharing a library now, um, they're integrating more with the photo stream, whereas Adobe has none of this sort of in the work. Right. Um, their, their creative cloud is is you know more of a subscription model than a, than a cloud service. Um, which is fine, you know, nothing against that. It's what it is, what it is. Um, so we, we decided that there was much more of an open market there. Um, also, you know, right now Mosaic is for for Windows, for, sorry, for Mac only. Um, Lightroom works on a Mac and a PC, so uh, we definitely want to be ready for a Mac and a PC, and we hope to be within the next sort of month and a half or so. Um, and so there's going to be a, a bigger market for us to be um, Mac and a PC in that way. Well, we're kind of doing this uh, uh, interview today over Skype, and what we're able to do is record some of the the video of this. Maybe do you want to take us through the service a little bit? And what we'll do is we'll we'll uh, include this in the blog post for this episode, so people can see the video and see a little demo of the of the site. But for those who are maybe uh, want to learn a little bit more about the service, take us through here and just uh, tell us a little more how the service itself works. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to show you guys Mosaic View today, um, since it's the free download and it's the, the one that's probably the most popular at the moment. Um, I'm showing a quick catalog I made. Actually, I made this one out at Photoshop World out in Vegas a couple months ago. Um, and, you know, the, the basic way it works is that you just use Lightroom. Um, it's really hard to explain that because it's really pretty simple and straightforward. You, if you use Lightroom, you're actually using Mosaic View in the background. 
So what happens, and, and people can't really see this uh, at the podcast, but if I take this photo and I add something like three stars to it, what's going to happen is that we have a Lightroom plugin that comes with our download. And it's going to say syncing catalog with Mosaic up in the upper left-hand corner where you usually see the import and export types of dialogues. Mm -hmm. We also have a, a, a desktop daemon which runs in the background. Um, which says synchronized one photo at 141. As you can see, it's 141 now here when we're recording this. Um, so that basically said, okay, you've changed this photo. We've noticed that. We've uploaded it to the cloud. And if I go here to my browser and I go here to say sort by three star or better, this lovely photo I took will be there. So you can see that it's going to come up there, and there it is, some, a beautiful photo I took of some water. Some water balls. Fabulous. Water balls. <laughs> beautiful photo. I know the composition is phenomenal. <laughs> um, you're right on the web app. The same folder structure that you have in Lightroom is there, as well as your collections are there. So if you have a collection in, in, in Lightroom, say I have this collection called Pictures of Joe. Um, that'll pop up here. Apparently there's you know, three-star pictures of Joe in there. So here's a couple pictures there. And if I go back to Lightroom and I go to my collections and say pictures of Joe, the same pictures are there. So you add a photo to a collection, it goes into Mosaic View. If I add it, make a development edit, it goes into Mosaic View. It's really pretty intuitive and, and easy to go, uh, easy to do. Great. So it's basically just pushing up the XML uh, sidecar changes to those files. Is that kind of what's happening? Uh, it's it's we're we're doing something a little bit different. We're not taking the full uh, sidecar file. We're just taking the information we need. Uh, we're just taking the stars and uh, flags and keywords, pushing them up there. Okay. Um, we are also taking a JPEG preview of the file. Um, so this is not uploading the full raw file um, up to us. We're taking the JPEG preview, which uh, which enables us to take the edits. So if I just take this lovely photo of the water bottle we saw before. I'm going to do the you know typical demo thing of uh, turning it into a black and white image. So I'll take it into it and give it a bad black and white image. And if I go back to library, what's going to happen in a second is that the it's going to notice that something changed. In a second, it'll upload that that black and white image. And then if I go back to the um, to the web app in a second, it'll be there. So uh, I'm obviously showing you this on um, on a desktop, um, right. on a laptop right now. Um, you can get to us from an iPad. We are pretty much optimized for the iPad, um, and so you can uh, go to the our website and log in from there. We we do hope to be in the App Store soon, uh, but right now we are a web app. Um, so go to our website, log in from there, and you can view everything. Great. So that's kind of the view side of the product. How about the archive um, side of the product? How does that piece work? Well, the archive side of the product works for uh, right now. We're in a little bit of a transition. Uh, right now, our um, our archive side of the product, you add folders and you back up by folders. Okay. So I say I want to back up my pictures folder. I want to back up my Drobo. I want to work back up my you know uh, my 2012 folder. Um, we are working on a new version, which we hope will be available in about uh, four weeks. That'll be the same code base as our Mosaic View. Um, and it'll also allow you to back up by collection, um, which I'm pretty excited about. And, and what we mean by that is that, you know, if you're a regular photographer, you know, maybe not as good as you, Bruce, but, you know, for the rest of us mortals here, um, 
you know, you might miss every once in a while. You might take a bunch of bracketed shots where you really only care about backing up the original good one, right? The 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 one you have. Um, and we all have different ways of cataloging that: stars, flags, uh, keywords. Um, what we're going to allow people to the ability to do is back up by metadata from right within the Lightroom collection. Oh, very cool! Yeah, trust me, every shot I take is not a not a prize winner. <laughs> so, the, the, having that capability would be fantastic. So the the idea is that um, you know, cloud storage is going to be more expensive than than buying an ex- a regular drive on your disk. We we try to be as inexpensive as we can, but it still is right, and and that's really because we're doing it in a redundant way in in a in a really nice data center that has redundant power, redundant backup, but it's done it in a you know in a RAID type of environment where we're we're backing up to multiple drives, um, and and you know all the power that goes into that and all the other good stuff that that goes into running a cloud storage company, um, and so we, we realized that you know you might not want to pay for all those bracketed shots, um, so the easiest way to do that for us is that you know if you can tell us how you keep track of your stuff. Uh, Maybe some people use pick flags. That's great. Some people use um, stars. That's great. So if you say, I want to back up my most recent stuff, my last six weeks, because I might not have keyworded them or, or cataloged them yet, um, I also want to back up anything with a pick flag, we're going to actually go into your Lightroom catalog and automatically back up the originals. Very neat. And then that will be also integrated with Mosaic View. So if you go to our web app and then you want to download the original, um, from there, uh, you'd be able to just log into your app and be able to download the original from anywhere in the road. Great. We're so, also going to do. Oh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, didn't, didn't mean that. The the last part about that is is how you get your images back. Um, and because of the unique way that Lightroom keeps a catalog, um, we realize that if you lost your Drobo, your Drobo fell off the side of your table, you lost your laptop. Well, actually, putting your catalog back together can be challenging. Um, so. On our restore features, uh, when you restore, you actually just are able to say, we're going to rewrite your Lightroom catalog to be able to say, ah, you put them back here, okay, everything is back in working order. Hmm, interesting. So again, very very Lightroom-centric and very sort of very much catered towards the way that photographers, you know, work. That's great. Yeah, it sort of avoids having to go through exporting and uploading separately to another service. It just kind of all automatically happens in the background as you're as you're working away. That's the idea. You know, I think a, a lot of people will ask us um, things like, uh, "I'm just going to put you back on sure, uh, yeah. full, full screen here." Um, a lot of people will ask us stuff like, "Well, can I control?" Um, <laughs> now I just see pictures of you. <laughs> yourself. Screen sharing is never easy on this. No. Um, <laughs> the, you know, can, can I control what gets pushed up to the cloud? And, and that always sounds good in theory. You know, we think. You know, can you can you control which ones go up there? The problem with that is that um, we always forget. Right. We have these. Um, we have these these, you know, uh, ambitions of trying to do something, you know, like, oh, I'm going to push this stuff up the Flickr, I'm going to push this up the stuff, I'm going to update my website, and a lot of us forget. So we decided that we're going to make it automated and work in the background and allow people to s- search and sort for the stuff they really want. So what um, what sort of plans uh, do people have uh, choices of uh, with the Mosaic product? Obviously, I'm sure all this information is up on your website, but maybe just give a kind of a brief overview of what some of the different plans and kind of what sort of cost people would be looking at. Sure. So for, for Mosaic View, um, 
we have a free plan, and it's your most recent 2,000 images. Um, so uh, what that means is it's sort of a, a rolling cliff, right? Um, you take more images, your older ones fall off, and your new ones are always there. So similar to like the iCloud service, what they offer. Correct. Yep. So your I, iCloud is, is your most recent 1,000. So we basically give you double what you get in the iCloud. Um, and we also give you the ability to sort and search uh, in Lightroom, which the iCloud doesn't sort of integrate mm-hmm. with Lightroom. Um, so twice the space of iCloud for free. Um, we then have paid plans, and our paid plans today are for seven dollars a month. You can synchronize a um, a twenty thousand image catalog. For fifteen dollars a month, you can synchronize a um, a hundred and ten thousand image catalog. And for twenty four dollars a month, you can get an unlimited catalog of images. Um, so if you have a million photos, two million photos, we don't really care. Twenty four dollars a month, you have everything for you. Um, for Mosaic Archive, our plans are. Uh, for $12 a month, uh, you will get uh, 400 gigs. For uh, sorry, for $14 a month, you uh, sorry for $43 a month, you get two terabytes, um, and for uh, $99 a month, you get five terabytes. So lots of storage. Lots of storage. Yeah, we, have, we have bigger plans for for larger studios if uh, if you'd like as well. Great. And you've been generous to offer our uh, TWIP listeners a little uh, a little discount on any of the uh, products as well, right? That's correct, yeah. So if they, you put in the coupon code TWIP, T-W-I-P, uh, in the uh, checkout, uh, you'll get a 20% discount on any of our services. Um, that's good for any of our plans. Um, also, if you pay annually, you already get two months free. So basically you pay for 10 months and you get 12 months. Um, that the 20% discount also works on that. So that would be your best bargain if you're looking for a, a good deal. Great. That's, that's great. So what's, uh, what's ahead for Mosaic? Where do you see things in the next, say six months so without giving away too many trade secrets or, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty open with our, with our customers. We try, we try to be, we have a pretty active sort of social media presence too. So you know, please check us out there. But, um, you know, the, the couple of, the couple of things we're working on are, are coming up, you know, pretty soon we're sort of testing that right now is integrating the archive piece into the, to what we're talking about. Uh, so changing it from being the folder structure to being um, the metadata structure within Lightroom. Uh, then we're, we're hopefully coming out with a Windows version before Christmas. Um, and uh, there'll be both Mosaic Archive and Mosaic View will be available for Windows at that point. And then uh, what we're pretty excited about for the early spring is a two-way metadata sync with your iPad. And what that means is that you'd be able to rate, star, flag, keyword, um, anything you can do in a library module, you'd be able to do from uh, your iPad, and you'd be able to get that back into your Lightroom catalog automatically and easily. Great. You can bring your, your you know, you can sit down on your couch, and you can rate your photos uh, while watching, you know, sort of a movie. That's sort of the idea. Hmm, very nice. Exciting. Yeah. So what's uh, the current state? Uh, you reached uh, some significant milestones in the last little while. Um well, yeah, we, we've been growing pretty fast in the last couple of weeks. So as I said, we, we launched Mosaic View in early August. And since then, uh, I think a couple of weeks back, we, we announced that we, we had over a million photos in our database. Um, now we're, we're actually well over two. So that, that's happened uh, pretty quickly um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, so we're, we're over two million photos. And you know, I think it's, it's probably easy to say that we have the, the world's largest collection of, uh, of Lightroom photos right now um, sort of in our database, which is pretty awesome. That's fantastic. Well, Gerard, I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time out today to talk to the TWIP audience. I know uh, there's lots of our uh, listeners uh, use Lightroom, and so I think this would be a, certainly something for them to take a look at. Uh, 
certainly i've i've been using it for a while and it's a very useful uh, service i like say the big thing for me was just that ability to see all my various catalogs in one you know in one place and be able to do that on my ipad or iphone or or laptop or desktop uh, certainly a, a, a huge convenience so thanks for uh thanks for setting us up with that for sure well, thank you, thank you, Bruce, and, and and again, I'm a big fan of the show. So keep up the good work on your end. I mean, you and Frederick and all the rest of the crew. It's a it's it's a great show. So I really I really appreciate all the knowledge you guys bring to us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Maybe we'll catch up with you again in in a few months down the road and kind of see where things are at with uh, with Mosaic. Sounds great. Look forward to it then. Great. All right, that was Bruce Clark interviewing Mr. Jared Murphy, and Mosaic has arranged a special twenty percent discount off any of their plans for this audience. For TWIP listeners, just enter the coupon code TWIP, T-W-I-P, at checkout to apply the discount to any of the solutions they offer. All right, guys, it is time quickly for some listener Q&A. This is where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. Question number one is from Pete, and he writes, he says... I've recently ordered a Canon 6D and I would like to use it for vacation photography with the family too. However, the camera does not have a pop-up flash. I realize the 6D is intended to be used with a full slot, full size external flash, but I do not find a external flash as practical when bouncing on a vacation. I'm looking for a smaller compromise. The Speedlight 90EX is a GN9 or GN30 guide number 30 solution, but it doesn't fit quite fit in my pocket. Do you have any suggestions? Derek, I want to give this one to you before you have to mosey. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, actually, I sort of like the 270EX2. It's a Canon Speedlight, and it definitely fits in the pocket. It uses just a couple AA batteries. Uh, it has wireless connectivity, uh, you know, infrared uh, connectivity. has a little button on it so you can trigger the flash remotely. I mean, it's just it's just a fun, cool little flash. It's 169 bucks, And uh, for 5D and... And 6D owners that uh, just need a little something to have in their pocket for a little fill light, that's, that's the way I would go. Nice. And what do those run? Do you know? 169. One, 169. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're not, and you can shop around. You probably get them for uh, a little bit less. But and there's an uh, older version, uh, just the 270EX, the straight one that you can get for right around 100 bucks. Uh, it doesn't have the wireless and the remote trigger in it, but it still has a uh, you know good little pop on it. And by the way, for a compact flash, the head even uh, swivels upward for for bounce, mm-hmm. you know, which is on a very small flash, you never get that. So it, it's a neat little flash, and that's what I would recommend. Interesting, cool. And how are you on Derek? How are you on time, Derek? You have to. You have to I got it? another five minutes. Yeah, so we can get. Oh, to good, the, good. We yeah, may get through yeah. the show. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so, question number two is from Warren, and Warren says, "I think that it's fair to say that the the Leica M rules the monochrome space. However, you don't hear very much about their color cameras. Which color pocket camera would top your list? Who wants to take this, Sarah?" Um, sure. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. you know, I, I only say that, Sarah, because I see you typing into the Google document. I'm like making notes. I'm like, I like this one. So it's I like was behind I was the scenes of at, TWIP. Tara, Sarah is actually editing the document live as we do the show. 
I'm like, here's a link for it. Um, so I was up at Sony headquarters last week and they were, cause I didn't make it out to New York. Um, but they had this camera out in New York and I played with this camera for a little while and I was like, this thing is sweet. I want to take this home. I almost like ran out the back door with it, but <laughs> it's a Sony alpha NEX six compact camera and it, you can do interchangeable lenses. This is kind of a, like, geeky photographer's version of a point and shoot you know like um you can still get smaller cameras than this but this thing's tiny and you can do small like fixed 24 um like a fixed 24 lens on it and still get a good shallow depth of field with it and it's got a great little like pop-up flash which i really liked it was um it's kind of like a little robot that comes out of the top it's not just like a pop up it's like a little robot head that like comes up when you <laughs> a little pop turtle it up head it pops up a little turtle head yeah <laughs> so this was a great um a great camera it does a lot and my my the probably the funnest feature of it i thought is that it, it connects to wi-fi and it'll actually transfer f- images to your smartphone okay that's and it'll cool. also post to facebook you can post to Facebook from from the camera if yeah. I heard him correctly. So this is that camera that you we were talking about on Twip as kind of their first like the first introduction of a camera having connectivity to the web, you know, to like inner interface. Um, and I and it's just a great little camera. It's like uh, it's eight forty eight on Adorama, so. It's it's not the cheapest point and shoot camera, but if you're a, a gearhead like we are, um, that would be my suggestion. Nice. Okay, and that's a Sony NEX six. All right, yeah. Doug. Doug, you have any anything to add to that? Like in, well, in terms of small cameras like that. This is a guy who's talking like us. So <laughs> I, don't I know. know. I don't know where that goes. I have an NEX seven. And I love it. It's a great camera. Uh, the six is, I guess, its baby brother. And I haven't played with it, but I, I think Sarah's got some good comments on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence right now. I'm, I'm looking for a small camera like that to, to jump into. I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about these micro four thirds cameras. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's another show. But I think if I had it to do over again, I would go the way Derek recommends, and I, I'm speaking for him here, which is some of the micro four thirds. I think the choice of lenses in that area makes that very compelling. It's it's another show. It's another show. You're killing me. Am I right, Derek? Yeah, and that's a fun show too. All right, I I will make that a show. We're going to talk about that because because I'm selfish and I need to make (laughs) I need to make a purchase and I need advice from you guys. I love my I love my Sony. It's a great little camera, but I I do think the Micro Four Thirds world is a is a much more interesting space. Interesting. All right, quickly um, another. Thankful shout out to our other sponsor, Carbonite.com. So this episode is brought to you by those guys. They're the uh, online backup folks. And basically, you know how important it is to back up your files, but it's also a hassle. And I'll tell you, I'm in the midst of this sort of shakeup right now in my sort of home system. And all you guys have your own little... You know, the ways that you manage your files, you know, you back up to a Drobo or you got this thing going over there. You got this on the network. So I've shifted everything around. I used to do this week in photo from an iMac. I got rid of the iMac and replaced it with a Thunderbolt display and a new 15 inch retina portable that's connected to it, which I'm doing the show from right now. And but the thing is, I need and I move my Drobos basically off to another room connected to a Mac mini 
that sit on the network and serve up iTunes to the Apple TVs in the house. So I'm a geek, right? So anyway, so what I'm doing tonight after the show is setting up Carbonite to basically back up all my machines to the cloud. I know it's going to take a while, but I'm going to back up everything to the cloud so that I'm safe because everything is backed up to my Drobos locally. But what happens if, you know, something catastrophic happens at my house or something, then I'm out of luck. So what, when I get everything up to the cloud, then if something happens, I'll be able to bring everything down and sort of get back to business with a minimal of disruption. So that, that is what Carbonite's all about. They're basically the better backup plan. They allow you to be behind the scenes automatically and continually whenever you're connected to the internet take whatever deltas or whatever changes happened on your computers between when they're backing up and the last time it backed up and push them up to the cloud so that you don't have to think about it you just set it up and wait for everything to go and it's just done you know it just takes the hassle out of everything so if you want to try it out you can uh, just head over to carbonite.com and use the offer code again of course twip twip and they'll kick you over two bonus months with purchase so carbonite.com and use the offer code twip all right quickly let's jump into the picks of the week segment this is where the uh, pick can be anything as long as it is somehow related to photography derek of course i'm gonna let you go first because you are pressed on time what's your pick of the week so i'm going to go with uh this will be my uh, swan song then i'm gonna jump out after All this right. yep. but uh i'm gonna go with trigger trap and uh it's a ios app they also have a uh, android version i believe mm. and uh it's uh, the, it, when they originally designed it it basically connect a cable from your iphone to your DSLR, and you have all these neat controls. You can do time lapse and interval, and uh, you know, so it's, it's a super geeky cable release. Uh, and I and I even liked it then, but now in this latest version they just came out with, you can do Wi-Fi uh, triggering. So basically, I. I connected an iPhone to my camera, put it anywhere, and then from anywhere else uh, with another iOS device, I can control the camera. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just really neat. And then on top of that, if you have two iOS devices, like my iPhone 4S, I can, I can remotely control it uh, with Trigger Trap uh, with another iOS device and trip the shutter. So it's just a lot of fun, you know, and if you want to do something like take pictures of birds playing in a bird bath or something like that, you can set up your camera and then uh, just uh, hang out, you know, back in the house and just trip the shutter uh, when they do something interesting. That, that sounds really fun, Derek, and also very, very geeky. Thank you. It's very it, it is the guys that wrote it they're they're terrific but they're they're super geeky. Yeah. But uh it's it's four dollars and ninety nine cents. It's a blast. Yeah, you can't have, beat it. You can't uh, beat it. IOS stuff. That's trigger trap. All right, Derek, I will uh I'll let you sign off. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it was a blast, and you know, it was great uh, talking with uh, you, Sarah, and Doug, and Frederick, as always, and all the listeners. Uh, maybe Frederick will let me back on before too long. Of course, so Derek. <laughs> before you before you go, if if listeners may not know where to catch up with you, where can they go to catch up with you online? TheDigitalStory.com. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Derek. Bye bye. All right. Bye, Derek. Bye. All right, Sarah France. What is your pick of the week? So my pick of the week is the new flashes that I just got in <laughs> that I've been playing with for a couple of weeks. The Canon 600EX 
RT. Those oh. flashes are amazing. Those are so, like robotic flashes, right? Oh my gosh. Well, the so the cool thing about them is that my old flashes I had um I had the radio slaves and or pocket wizards or radio poppers or whatever. I I swear I tried a ton of different types of units to use and I always had issues and it was always just so much stuff to carry around and set up and different kinds of batteries to use for all these different units. And, you know, sure enough, I'd like be missing some strange round battery that I needed. Mm -hmm. But now, now they have radio controls built into these flashes and um i got two of them and started playing with them and i'm like ready to like get another one and um because they're just amazing that you can just set the flash up and go you sound, <laughs> like, you sound like me and my, my sb my sb collection I, I keep buying them whenever i get a, a little extra money i have to buy another flash i don't know why so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, they're great. So I've really been enjoying those, and they're so much easier. And I, I'm really big on keeping my gear really lightweight and um, making keeping as little on me as possible um, and, and really not being that, like, photographer that shows up with, like, tons of bags and, like, tons of stuff hanging off of them and crazy gadgets all over the place. Like, I just I, – I want to be as minimalist as possible, and this – flash lets me do that which i'm super excited about and of course um i also put pass which we talked about earlier in the show down so that you guys could have the link to that as well but perfect perfect well sarah before we go into doug do you do you see do you foresee a time when you will drop the dslr and just sort of move over to the micro four thirds or smaller movement that's interesting. I think we talked about it a little bit in the show a few weeks ago, but I I think my biggest thing is perception of the client and making sure yeah. when that transition happens, it'll happen because the client, because everyone thinks it's cool, you know, like yeah. you, there's a little bit of a perception issue there. And until, um, and until that happens, which it'll happen when it's supposed to happen, when the gear is better and it's smaller and it's cool to do it, then we'll do it. But I did offer to um, steal that Sony camera and do some wedding wedding shots with it when I did one of my um, one of my fashion shoots or something, because I was like, this thing's so cool and so small or, you know, any of the four thirds cameras and that you could use and and really have a smaller unit uh, and less to carry around. I think if the quality is there, then heck yeah. I mean, we're really talking about film versus digital years ago, right? It's like, yeah. when do you make the transition? When do people start wanting it? Because they start wanting it when the quality is better than what they currently are using. And, and our clients could care less really what size our camera is as long as the quality that they get is better than what they could have gotten with something else. So as the quality continues to increase, um, I, I'm all all for the cameras getting smaller if that's what it means. I agree. Hey, hey Der- or, uh, Doug, where do, where do you fall on this? Do you think it's better to have a smaller unit or a larger unit? Uh, <laughs> I, I like to have a unit as large as possible, actually. <laughs> I had that's to get that in there. I'm sorry. Um, I'm here all week, by you the know, way. I, I, I just want to get the job done, too. I really don't care other than... 
you know, I've got some pretty large cameras and lenses and they hurt after a while. Yeah. Um, I think if I had to shoot, you know, one or two weddings a weekend, uh, I would definitely <laughs> try to pack light like Sarah does. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, what's your, what's your pick of the week, Doug? Well, let me ask you guys. Yeah. Do, do either of you calibrate your lenses using the, uh, either, uh, automatic, uh, autofocus fine tune on Nikons or, uh, focus micro adjust on Canon. I've done I've done autofocus fine tune on one of my lenses because it was soft, but I did that exactly one time <laughs> in like a hundred years. So. How about you, Sarah? Uh, I send it to Canon. There you go. <laughs> nice. It doesn't look right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I you know as being the only guy on the show who registers his images, uh, <laughs> uh, I. I have, and, and that plus we've talked in previous shows about all my problems with the 800E. Uh, I've gotten very heavily involved with doing micro adjustments and fine tuning on all my lenses and all my bodies. And, uh, that permutation has kept me pretty busy. Well, the old way to do this, uh, until a few weeks ago was basically to shoot a target that was sloping and focus on the center of that target and seeing where the actual focus point was, either forward or backward of that, and then adjust your automatic uh, fine-tuning according to that. Uh, it was a, a too subjective a process and a little tricky to do. Well, the guys who make LensAlign, this is Michael Tapes, uh, just came out with a new uh, piece of software. It costs 30 bucks. It's called FocusTune, and it works completely differently. What you do is you shoot JPEG, high-res JPEG, uh, against a flat target, almost any target will work. And then you take and you adjust your uh, autofocus fine-tune and you shoot at all the different settings. You shoot from minus 20 to plus 20. And then you take all those images, you throw it into this software. The software analyzes the contrast, looks at the EXIF data, and then prints a graph out showing you which of those automatic you know, which of those automatic uh, fine-tune points is sharper than the others and so forth. Mm. And it's uh, it's cheaper, it's faster, it's more accurate. And uh, for those of us who are geeky enough to want to calibrate our own lenses, uh, I recommend that as my pick of the week. And if you're you're if you want to calibrate your own lenses, you're probably someone that wants to register your own images too. So, <laughs> so you're in the Doug K crowd, right? In, in fact, you know, I was thinking about it since I register everything I publish. This is going to be uh, there'll be a link to my blog also where I do a review of this thing. And I realize I have to register some of my test images because I'm going to publish them. <laughs> Wow. That's, How's that for geeky, huh? God, there's, there's so many little nuances. Yes, that's very geeky. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And um, last but not least, my pick of the week is a new um, – actually, it's not new yet because it's not out yet. But it's a product called Mimoto, M-E-M-O-T-O. It's a life logging camera. It's a Kickstarter project. And basically, this is a little tiny – camera that you and a cat and an app that it comes with that you clip onto yourself and then just go about your daily life and it has intelligence in it to know when to take pictures and then it takes photos geotags them and you know just basically it it remembers the important parts of your life which is really interesting i'm really interesting to see this thing so 
that's one thing. So the cool thing, I mean, that, that it's doing this, you just get this little thing, you clip it onto your body, and it takes pictures when it thinks you're doing something interesting. So that's cool. The other cool thing is they were looking for $50,000 to kick this thing off. They've As we record this, they have 15 days left. They are at $480,000 of their $50,000 goal. Mm. So... I mean, these Kickstarter projects are killing me. I mean, it's like, seriously? It's like uh, almost a half a million dollars, and they were only looking for, like, you know, 50 grand. So they've got, yeah, they've got 2,446 backers as we as we write this and i'm one of the backers by the way um and yeah they've amassed almost a half a million dollars to get this company off the ground so we will see so definitely check it out you know it's uh it looks like an interesting play it looks like it could be fun you know if you're if you're not worried about being tracked by the government or anything like that it's like (laughs) it's like it's like your own personal you know homeland security it's like personal homeland security taking photos of you know your your daily goings on wherever you go so so check it out. It's called Mimoto. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right, folks, we are at the end of another episode of TWIP. Um, well, we know where Derek is. Derek's at thedigitalstory.com. You can check him out there and find links to his Twitter, Google+, etc. Sarah France, where are you at online? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me at sarahfrance.com on Twitter, on Google+, or on Facebook. Really, anywhere. <laughs> You're just omnipresent, aren't you? You're just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. And Doug K., where can people go to find you? Same for me. I'm Doug K., K-A-Y-E, everywhere. DougK.com is my portfolio site. Doug K. on Twitter. Doug K. on Google+. Uh, and if you go to my portfolio site, there's a link to my blog uh, where you can uh, find the story about the uh, lens tests and software. Excellent. Excellent. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And listeners, if you'd like to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check out thisweekinphoto.com. Also, please support us by leaving a comment on iTunes. We read those and take them to heart. So please be kind and don't be trollish. Also, if you want to check out the TWIP podcast app, it's a handy way to stay on top of our newest shows and also to rewind the clock and go back in time and listen to some of our greatest hits or misses, depending on your perspective. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.